The League of Legends betting podcast is brought to you by my patrons at patreon.com slash LOL. There you can find bonus content like in-depth articles on macro trend analysis and league previews, as well as thoughts on breaking news and the podcast picks before the show is released to platforms. You also get to support your creators more directly. Patreon.com slash LOL. That's G-E-L-A-T-I-L-O-L. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is a feel-good Friday here on the League of Legends betting podcast. We've got almost a full slate to cover for Saturday. Uh, starting next weekend, we're going to have all four leagues going at once on the weekends, and I have a feeling these episodes going to get a little longer than the 8 to 10 minutes that they've been running. So, anyway, we had two matches this morning, two heavy favorites, two two O's by the said favorites. So, you know, I, I'm going to quickly mention, though, like, yeah, the results were 2-0. It didn't really look particularly close. But, you know, in that first game, the DRX Hanwha game one, you know, there, there wasn't a massive gold lead built up by DRX despite them having a, I think it was a 6 nothing kill lead at one point. But they didn't really have a huge gold lead. But they did have a momentum lead and a very, very strong mid-game team fighting comp. Took a pretty egregious positioning error by the two carries on DRX to... I think it was the fifth dragon fight. Yeah, it was the fifth dragon fight because they were fighting for Infernal Soul. And Hama just kind of completely flipped that game on its head. So, yeah, I don't know. Hama probably going to end up being a similar team to last year. I don't like to draw conclusions from one match, but anybody that saw my tweet after that game won, you know, it's a little early, but they are playing kind of the same way. And they're, which is like waiting for their opponents to make mistakes and not really being proactive and engineering their own advantages. We'll see if they end up being a gatekeeper team or if they can progress and move past that or not. It's only the first game for them, but yeah, I don't know. There's kind of like a wicked confirmation bias there. So uh, the other match was T1. They were down like a non trivial, but not like significant amount of gold in that game, too. They ended up taking advantage of kind of a disjointed approach to the third dragon by Kwangdong. Picked up a few kills, and then Kwangdong kind of looked like they started panicking a little bit and started throwing Hail Marys, really, despite they were still ahead. They just kind of, you could tell that they were panicking, and, and T1 kind of made a couple other picks after that, picked up the Baron, and kind of aced the game in the next five minutes. So, yeah, today was a good example of phenomenon we tend to see pretty often between these, like, top teams, and I'll say the non-top teams, because you see this from mid-level teams too, but they don't really have a strong grasp, like macro grasp, on like where they are relative to the other team in the game. And some of them just don't, like the bad teams literally just don't know what to do with the lead. In that first series, like DRX really made like one mistake and ended up losing the game off of it, but it was kind of a similar thing to the first game that we saw from them against Nongshim. So... You know, two two is not a trend, but it is something that could be, you know, indicative of something to keep an eye on with that team. Anyway, we didn't have any action on this slate. I leaned to both dogs, ended up dodging that bullet. So just keep in mind, the LCK tends to be really, really chalky until some of these newer rosters start to figure things out and build chemistry. So for the early few weeks in the spring especially, continuity is king. So keep that in mind. All right, moving on to Saturday morning slate. We have week one, day four in the LCK. First match we have is Firex, minus 141, the minus one and a half maps at plus 208. Against OK Brion Savings Bank, plus 116, plus one and a half maps at minus 261. The underdog sweep is at plus 317. 
Now, I'm definitely more optimistic about Firex in general compared to Brion, but it's a little bit early for me to be making super definitive statements about these two teams. Um, they both have question marks, and these prices don't seem completely out of line or anything like that, so it's not like a blind bet value kind of thing. So I'm... There's a case to be made for backing the dogs here, just any plus money dog when you have two teams with question marks, two teams with lineup changes, but I'm just going to pass until I've got a better grip on both these teams. Like I've, I said in my season preview, like when I first introduced this podcast, I tend to wait these days unless I see something totally egregious. I've had too many seasons where I've dug myself a hole early, just purely speculating on what I think and what this and this and this. The fact is, like, we don't know what these teams are going We don't know if the teams are going to do what they should do, what they think they should do, how their read on the meta is, etc. So, no play in Firex versus Brion. The second match on Saturday is Nongshim Red Force plus 876 on the money line. The plus one and a half maps is at plus 245. The minus one and a half is 20 to 1. Uh, against Gen G, minus 1500, minus one and a half maps at minus 314. Nongshim looked pretty sharp in the second game of their first match. But if you don't remember on Wednesday, the first game of that match, DRX was up like almost 6,000 gold. And it took a huge, huge throw from them for Nongshim to win that first game. They don't win that first game. Who knows what happens in that series, right? They did look good in their second game, though. I still think there's a reasonable chance this could be the worst team in the league. And if that's the case, that we could be potentially looking at a worst versus first situation here. For what it's worth, models make this pretty close to market if you use priors. Um, Genji, if you just like assume Genji is a good team and then use Nongshim made only one change, really. Um, so you can kind of use their priors. Yeah, it, I don't know. If you think, if you think, you know, the Nongshim Noodle Boys are going to be feisty in this match. I would play like the first map kill spread plus nine and a half kills or plus eight and a half kills at even money or better. Uh, you could also maybe play a kill total over or a team total over. I think their team total is like six and a half kills or something like that. So if, if you think they're going to be competitive in this game, that's how I would attack it. And I would say it's probably going to be first map competitive. That tends to be how it goes in the LCK with uh, big underdogs like this. Uh, I didn't end up playing anything. I would lean to map one Nongshim plus eight and a half or nine and a half kills, but no plays from me. Next up, we've got week two, day one of the LEC winner split. Just a brief recap of the first week. We had favorites went eight and seven straight up. They went five and ten against the kill spread, though. Average kill spread was about 5.6. Kill totals, time totals, more or less split evenly. There was a slight price divergence in the dogs, but it's only 15 games. It's not a huge deal. So, uh, again, 15 games, not a significant sample. But uh, market was surprisingly not that off overall. It's just, I think, a couple teams, namely like SK and Mad Lions, that I think it was off market on. Anyway, first game in the LAC tomorrow, we have SK Gaming minus 157 against Heretics, plus 129. <laughs> if, you, if you ask most people... They would have said, you're crazy. If you asked people before the season started after, like before, to say, oh, what's that price going to be in week two? I think a lot of people would call you crazy. But here we are. 
Uh, I'm about as bullish Niski and Niski teams as there is in the world, but I think this is probably a bit too far of an over-adjustment. There, a lot of the books and and people that price this sort of thing use more ELO-based models. I use performance-based models. It's a different read on things. And any ELO-based model is going to quickly over-adjust when the sample size is small. And then as it normalizes over the course of a season, they get more and more accurate. Now, I think a lot of people... Like, I don't, you would think that I'm going to be the one that goes like counter trend here and actually backs SK as a favorite. But Heretics showed me enough in their second two games that I actually think they're the play here. So I'm going to play some Heretics plus 129 on the money line for one unit. Next up, we've got Giant X plus 106 against Carmine Corp minus 129. Uh, I mentioned in the recap on Tuesday morning that I thought Carmine Corp were probably going to be a buy low candidate or a buy the dip candidate, however you want to put it, um, this week. And sure enough, we got a great price on this. If you think about it, Carmine faced they they faced the top two teams in G two and Fnatic, and then this Mad Lions team, like the new look Mad Lions, actually looked really really sharp in their first week. That's a pretty brutal opening schedule to debut your team with, and frankly, like Carmine Corp looked really really good in all three games. They just got losses in all three of them, so I think this team's actually good. I don't know if they're going to be like league winning good, but. They are much better than their 0-3 record says. Now, Giant X also looked pretty good. I don't want to take anything away from them, but I think this is the kind of match where in like two or three weeks, this price is going to look hilariously mis like incorrect. So I'm going to go ahead and be aggressive and try to scoop the low price on this. I staked this 1.5x, so I played Carmine, uh, Carmine Court Moneyline minus 129 for 1.5 units. Next up, we've got Mad Lions plus 236 against G2 Esports minus 300. I'm going to go against my better judgment here and take a kill total under in a G2 game. This is mostly, like, I'm mostly just playing against price here. Like, I played a bunch of the kill total unders on Saturday, uh, Sunday and Monday after seeing what I thought the read on the meta was going to be. And I still think it's, like, that applies here. I think this is probably, like, the rest of the market, if you look at the kill totals for all these games, the rest of the market's adjusted down by, like, a kill or two. And I think that's more in line with where it should be, like, 25-ish for a lot of these teams. This one's still floating 28.5. I played an alt under 27.5 kills at plus 105 for one unit. As far as the side goes in this game, yeah, I was just one more note on the kill total over. Like, if if... It wouldn't shock me at all to see this go over. These, you know, El Yoya and G2 tend to be feisty, tend to be a lot of kills in their games, but I don't know. All we can do is play price, so I'm playing price on this and taking it under. Uh, as far as the side goes, I am I was pretty optimistic about the New Look Mad Lions, thinking that they could vastly exceed market expectation, and they did in Week 1, but this is also a huge step up in class like in terms of the opponents they're playing here. Wouldn't rule out an upset, but G2's way too battle-tested. And this Mad Lions team still showed a lot of signs of a young and inexperienced team last week. So, if I don't know, I think if you like Mad Lions, the plus 8.5 kills is cool, but I think G2 probably going to use a counterpick to their advantage here and, you know, be a rude awakening for Mad Lions. So, just kill total on for me, lean toward Mad Lions, plus 8.5 kills, but that's all.
Next up, we've got Fnatic, minus 160 against Team BDS, plus 132. BDS looked, I mean, on the surface, looked pretty good last weekend, but if you kind of look underneath and you really, like, go back and rewatch those games, this team still looks like the exact same team to me. Like, Adam's going to have his games where he does his thing or he has a cheese pick and he just runs wild on someone and they look really, really good. If he isn't doing that, it's just a very mediocre, maybe worse team. Like, worse than mediocre. Like, I don't think they're really that much better than anyone else if he's not doing his thing. I also think, like, he's kind of been... I don't want to say he's patched out. We saw the Garen last week, but he said himself that a lot of his champions have been patched out a little bit or that they're not that good. I'm sure he's got other stuff cooked up, but right now top lane's not a tremendous impact in general. And if his champions all kind of took a hit from the new meta and then he's going to be more tied to the top lane with all the jungle attention going bot, I just I think BDS is just primed for such a huge regression relative to market expectation. Like I don't think they're a bad team. I just don't think they're as good as everyone thinks, and they're almost definitely not as good as their record. I think people just have this anchoring bias where they went to Worlds and they think that this team must be good because they were at Worlds and they were fun to watch at Worlds. But fun to watch is not necessarily good. So keep that in mind. I also think Fnatic have seen this team enough that it's not really going to... Like, nothing's going to really surprise them anymore unless he's got some really spicy stuff cooked up. I don't know. I'm going a little bit on my intuition here and I'm just going to back Fnatic sort of... It's not blind faith, but I think they they won a close one against KC. They completely smashed Vitality, who I think is very similar to BDS when you really look under the hood. And they still had a shot at beating that revitalized SK team with Niski, despite a rough start in that game. Like I think they definitely could have won that game still. And they had like a worse draft, really complicated, weird one. And they still almost pulled it back against a team that looks a lot better now. I don't know. I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself and speculating a bit too much on this, but it feels like another one that could look like a really, really cheap price in a couple weeks, and I'm gonna, I'm willing to take a shot and speculate and get ahead of the market on this. I played Fnatic Moneyline minus 160 for one unit. Next up, we've got Vitality plus 113 against Rogue minus 145. Oof, what a roller coaster weekend for these two teams. Vitality looked like a complete mess. Like, they weren't doing anything well. They looked like the worst team in the league this weekend. And I, I don't even think it was close. Like Giant X looked a lot better than them. Mad Lions looked a lot better than them. Like All these teams that were at the bottom of the table looked like they had some semblance of anything going on. Vitality looked completely disconnected in every way, shape, and form last weekend. Um, Rogue had that... Rogue kind of got obliterated on the first day and then looked kind of more like themselves the next two. I don't want to jump to too many conclusions right away, but I kind of mentioned in the recap on Tuesday, Vitality are definitely, definitely on dumpster fire alert already. And after week one, that's bad. I don't want to put them in that tier yet because a lot can change in a week and sometimes teams just have a bad three games and they've been smashing scrims or whatever. But I suspect that that has not been the case with this team. We had teams disrespect building against them. 
we had teams giving them all the power picks and not caring. These are kind of signs that other teams don't respect them and that maybe they're just getting smashed in scrims and teams have no respect for them. Now, with teams like that, there's almost always a buy point. But until I see something from them, I like, I'm going to need some absurd prices to speculate on them. I actually went with Rogue here. I'm going to lay the money line with Rogue minus 145 for one unit. I really just think Vitality really are just I, I – th- I think they're just going to be a mess for a little while, and maybe they'll eventually get it together, but it's a very short season. The pressure can mount. We already talked before the season started about how all the volatility of the players on this team and the volatility of the personalities and the egos on this team could end up being a thing. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they come out and they just obliterate Rogue and be like, oh, well, it was just a weird first week, but I'm willing to pay to see it. So I played Rogue Moneyline. I'm also going to play a half unit on the Rogue Kill Spread. Alt Kill Spread minus five and a half kills at plus 102. All right, next up we have opening day of the LCS Spring 2024 split. Uh, I wrote my LCS League preview and Outrights article. I posted that yesterday on the Patreon, so I'd encourage you to check that out. The LCS is making a lot of changes this season. Um, first of all, they've cut from 10 teams down to 8 teams, which I think will probably end up being good for the product. We'll see. Um, secondly, they're back to the two-split format again. Third, they're going to be playing on the live patch, which is really, really interesting, and we haven't seen in pro play outside of like the EMA regions and some of the smaller leagues. Uh, what that means is currently in League of Legends, teams, uh, all the tournament and professional play is played on usually like a patch that's two to four weeks older, sometimes more. Uh, what this does is it lets them play on a patch that's got more stability, less bugs, and all that. What the downside is, you're not getting to see the new technology that people are doing in solo queue. So the idea that they had for this, that Mark, the new commissioner, had was he kind of wants the LCS to become maybe a bit of a professional testing ground for the newer, you know, saucy, dark technology that you're seeing in solo queue. And maybe we'll see some of that, especially in a best of one format, which is cool. The other thing that they're doing is they are trying to reduce the overall downtime in the broadcast. So the way they're going to do this is they're going to pre-record the draft and that might affect live betting depending on the delay and when they do that, but we'll see. We'll have to keep an eye out for that. So a lot of changes in the LCS. I'm curious to see how it's going to go. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. Maybe it'll just be a complete disaster once you know a bug happens and it just all falls apart, but they're trying to appeal to... They don't want people sitting around for six hours watching an LCS, LCS broadcast. I think they want to get more focused viewership, like more dialed-in viewership on like the three or four hours that it's on. So maybe it'll be cool. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. So first, first match of the LCS tomorrow, we have Team Liquid minus 240 against 100 Thieves plus 192. I would lean to the 100 Thieves kill spread here, but I didn't play anything. I expect op- I expressed a lot of optimism for most of the teams in the LCS, mostly because we're going from 10 teams down to 8 teams. So I think everyone's just going to be better, and it's going to be a better, more competitive product with a lot more parity, hopefully. I backed 100 Thieves in the outrights market. I think this Liquid roster is very, very strong, and this price might end up being a little bit heavy-handed. I don't know. We'll see. This, this price might end up being a little heavy-handed when we look back on it in a few weeks. 
Like maybe this should be like minus 160 or something, but I think the overall player quality on Liquid outside of mid lane is just a lot for 100 Thieves to deal with. I don't know. Like, it, I think if like River and Quid can probably outduel Umti and APA, mostly because I think APA is not that good. If you haven't been following me before, you know I'm a huge, huge Umti stan. But other than that, 100 Thieves are really outclassed across the board. I, I like this team moving forward, but not aggressive enough of a price. Next up, we've got Cloud9, minus 163 against NRG, plus 134. Uh, again, those of you that read my Outrights article know or really followed me at all last year know exactly how I feel about this energy team. They are Sunrunners. Uh, I like that this team is homegrown talent. I like that they're aggressive and confident, and I like that it's a good team from NA with mostly NA players, and I think that's why people like them so much. The fact of the matter is, though, they're very, very lucky to have done as well as they did last season. And I think they're, if you look at like the under the hood metrics, they're tremendously, tremendously overrated. Um, this isn't a bad team. They're just not nearly as good as people think. Now, what they have going for them is that they have roster continuity. And as I've discussed in the other leagues, like roster continuity matters a lot, especially when there's a lot of change across the board for everyone else. So teams with rust continuity tend to do very, very well at the beginning of the, you know, year. The thing is, though, like Cloud9 were the best team with margin in the LCS last year. I think they upgraded at mid lane. The support change, we'll see how it goes, but this isn't a new environment for Vulcan either, really. And I, I think Cloud9, they might not be the best team with margin like they were last year, but I do think there is a chance that they're just a better team than they were last year. I'm going to be playing this very, very aggressively for a day one position. So take this with a grain of salt, tail at your own risk. I'm calling bullshit on energy. And I might be just in the wrong for fading this hard on day one with a team that's got a lot of continuity. I'm kind of fading into continuity, which is just a cardinal sin for me. But I play Cloud9 Moneyline to win a half unit, so minus 163 for 0.815 units. And then I played the Cloud9 alt kill spread minus 6.5 kills at plus 109 to win a half unit. So if Cloud9 win but don't cover the spread, I, I zero out. If they win and cover, then it's good. So um, I don't know. I, I'm just – maybe I'm just getting ahead of myself and I should wait for the price to get over more overdone on energy. But I, I just think Cloud9 are going to smash. This roster looks really, really good. Next up, we have FlyQuest minus 207 against Shopify Rebellion, which is the rebranded TSM, plus 168. Um, I like this FlyQuest rebuild. I think they could end up being a better overall team than the collection of elite individuals that they kind of rolled out last season. But, I mean, FlyQuest started the year looking like a world-class team. Their underlying metrics were, like, best in the world level. Like, they looked legit, and then it just all came apart because they turns out they just couldn't close games for shit. So... Yeah, the thing is, this this price, if you look, price this out, this is using priors from last year, and like this is what it would have been priced at the end of summer. The difference is FlyQuest are a completely retooled lineup, and TSM are using the same core with a couple of the role players swapped out like for lateral changes to me. like In my opinion, they were lateral changes. Maybe you could agree one, or argue one way or the other. I don't know. Um, quick note, there's a chance Wild Turtle actually starts in this game. Uh, I believe Jat said it on JLXP that he's he might be starting for this game. I don't they didn't say why. It might be a visa issue. I'm not sure, but keep that in mind if you're uh, for your DFS lineups. 
Um, doesn't really change the handicap at all for me. Um, TSM were perpetually underrated by the market last year. They weren't like an elite team. They were never going to win the split, but they're an extremely, extremely well-coached team. I think Revan's one of the better coaches. I think he might be the best coach in the LCS at this point. Constantly put this TSM team in positions to succeed. They won. It's, it felt like they won draft all the time last year. And, you know, even if I think this FlyQuest lineup is going to be better, I think Shopify have more roster continuity. I think they have the best coach in the LCS, and that core of Bugie and Insanity was unreal last year. And I think, I don't know, this could look silly, but give me give me the Shopify holdovers from last year, plus 168 on the money line. I played it for one unit. Next up, we have Dignitas versus Immortals. Dignitas minus 122, Immortals plus 101. I've expressed quite a bit of optimism for both of these rebuilds as well. That said, there are still a lot of question marks for both. And, you know, I think this price reflects kind of the fact that Dignitas have the two best individual players in Rich and Dove on the map in this specific game. But the market's essentially like, yeah, sure, it's a coin flip with a slight weight to the better players. And that's, you know, it's price for uncertainty. And that's what we have here. I have no play in this one. I'm kind of optimistic and waiting to see what these two teams show me, though. That's going to be it for me. That is our first nearly full Saturday slate. We'll also be adding LPL to the mix next Saturday. I will have an LPL preview a league preview article and outrights post sometime this weekend, probably Saturday afternoon or evening, um, if not on Sunday. Uh, that starts up on Monday. Anyway, good luck tomorrow, and I will see you then.